Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is up, Cowboys Nation? Welcome to the Riders Blog Podcast. Once again, we are back, and we have a lot to talk about this week. Of course, I'm Jess Navarro's part one of part two of this podcast uh, with Brandon Laurie. As always, we would not be the Riders Blog without Brandon, so you can follow both of us on Twitter. Brandon, they can follow you with all of your amazing puns and good stuff at Brandon is right. That's R-I-T-E, because he writes and he is right. Uh both ways there. Uh, you can follow me at Jess Navarro's underscore. And we have a returning special guest. Of course, we have Chris Halling on with us today. You can follow him at Cowboys underscore squad on Twitter. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? It has been officially one week, a little more than one week now without Cowboys football. How are you feeling? How are you dealing? How are you handling the one week sober of Dallas Cowboys football, if you will? Yeah, it's, you know what? It's, bittersweet especially seeing the the Eagles move on to the Super Bowl you know playing the game of what if uh in my head and knowing that you know after the game the 49ers loss has digested I I do feel happy and looking forward to 2023 with returning coaches and stuff like that but I also look at you know man just in my mind I just play things over and over again about what what would happen if Dak didn't throw those two interceptions you know would they be playing the Eagles would they be on to the Super Bowl, and so it's like it's a lot of playing the what-if game right now, but I can't do that to myself because then you just go into a dark place again. I'm trying to manifest happy feelings, uh, as I'm sure Chris is as well, too. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, been a hard week, you know, of an offseason, but it was even harder yesterday when the Philadelphia Eagles punched their ticket to a Super Bowl appearance. Uh, obviously not the news we're all looking for, but, you know, I really think Jerry Jones knows how to uh, take captive of a moment, you know? He, uh, he had dropped that news that we moved on from Kellen Moore and I know we're going to get into that and and, you know I think that and the news of uh of uh, bringing back Dan Quinn is something that Cowboys fans should be relatively excited about yep we are definitely gonna get gonna get into that because there's a lot of feelings uh in Cowboys Nation right now with the whole Kellen Moore news dropping but you know Brandon I'm glad you brought up staying out of that dark place and staying away from the what-ifs because at this point it really sucks when you look back and, and you wonder what if and, and all of that. But what I will say is at least we get a Rihanna Super Bowl halftime. You know, like yeah. if anything, we get the commercials, we get Rihanna. I know, not Taylor Swift like we were all hoping, exactly. I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Super Bowl is always fun uh, regardless. And like I told the guys on the round table I did after the Kellen news dropped was if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, it never existed to me, never happened. I never saw a thing. So 
we're just gonna we're gonna go along with it. We're gonna be honorary Chiefs fans for uh, the rest of the football season until after the Super Bowl. So go Chiefs! But let's go back to Kellen Moore because in case you missed it, uh, Kellen Moore is out of Dallas. He's actually heading to LA with the Chargers to be their new offensive coordinator there. So it seems from reports like this was a mutual decision on both the Cowboys' part and Kellen Moore's part, but. Brandon, I'll start with you. How do you feel about this decision overall? Do you think it was a good one? Do you think it was a bad one? Are you still on the fence about it? How are you feeling about this overall? Yeah, I was talking with Chris sort of as we were getting the podcast prepped, and I told him I felt net neutral about the decision, and you guys can go back and listen to Jess, Tom, Danny, and RJ talk about it um, on the Breaking News podcast that they did the other other night. But, yeah, I I was kind of confused a little bit because I think as time started to pass, you know, we were distancing ourselves away from uh, Mike McCarthy's final press conference, releasing a lot of coaches, you know, from the coaching staff, not signing guys back. I looked at it as, okay, maybe they're just going to decide to run back the coordinators, keep the foundation of the team together. And then the news came out that Kellen Moore, um, the mutually parting ways, going to the Chargers. And I said to myself, well, I understand he had one more year left on you know, his contract. And I thought that at that point, you just kind of ride the wave out. And then all of a sudden, 2023 would become the season of a crossroads. You know, maybe Dak moves on in 2024, depending on the season. Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy. And then maybe Dan Quinn slides right into that spot at, as head coach. But now you have a case where... Mike McCarthy reportedly, according to the Dallas Morning News, is um, possibly taking over play calling. It hasn't been absolutely confirmed yet, but that's a report that's out there that Mike McCarthy's taking over that role. And you think to yourself, okay, you know, this is what Mike McCarthy was brought here to do. He was brought here to be an offensive mind. He was here to bring sort of this new age lingo that he spent that whole season studying, you know, NFL trends and all that. But then you get lost in the shuffle that, you know, Kellen Moore was a successful offensive coordinator, was good with Dak, but as I was telling Chris, was never able to get over that hump of having success, consistent success in the playoffs. Last year, it fell short against the 49ers. This year was great against the Tampa Bay Bucks, but then again, fell short against the Niners. So maybe Mike McCarthy, with his experience and, you know, his veteran savvy, which I know, Jess, you talked about brings this you know offensive mind that has been around for a long time, a successful coordinator. Maybe that's what helps the Cowboys get over the hump. But right now I'm kind of just sitting and saying, okay, let's see what happens. Is it going to be McCarthy? Is it going to be somebody else? Ask me maybe in a few weeks when the offensive coordinator position is filled, and then I'll have an answer. But right now I just feel kind of like net neutral on the whole thing. And Chris, we know how you feel about this. But for people that are not neutral like Brandon and that are on the uh... – this is what I wanted side of things. How are you feeling when, uh, or how were you feeling when you saw the news drop? And how are you feeling now that it's officially official that Kellen is out of Dallas? You know, like, I don't want to sit here and, you know, be like, oh, I was so excited to see a man like lose his job. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds kind of bad, you know, like I want to be, you know, like, you know, like I want to support a guy who has supported the Cowboys for such a long time. I hope he finds success with the chargers. I, I think he will. I think it'll pan out for him, but from the Cowboys perspective, I was pretty happy about the decision. I think he has just been inconsistent in his tenure with the Cowboys, especially this season. There were games when he would thrive doing one thing and then the next game he completely get away from it. And, you know, I, you know, I noted this in my, um, in uh, my article I posted on a uh, blogging the boys. Um, he, 
threw the ball just 18 times. He threw the ball 18 times in the fourth quarter against the Packers with a 14 to nothing lead. I mean, that right there was questionable of itself. And I don't know. I really like the idea that Mike McCarthy is going to be calling those plays, though, because with him calling the plays, we're going to be able to really see what Mike McCarthy brings to the table. I like that a lot better than than just, you know, going another season. Maybe things don't pan out and then we let him go and we never got to see what he could do. You know, so I really like this. I think it's a great evaluation point for Mike McCarthy. And I think it's going to be a great evaluation point for Dak Prescott as well. I think that they're both going to be under a lot of pressure to perform a lot better and and to really have a good playoff run next season. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that no one is happy that somebody lost their job. But the good thing is, is that he got a new one, right? So he's not in that weird in between of trying to find something else. Luckily, things panned out like they did. And we still wish him the best of luck going forward. But, um, yeah, I talked about this on the roundtable after the news broke of how I'm excited to see what Mike McCarthy can do with the play calling because something that I've noticed and, you know, I really focused on this season in particular is the coaching styles from all three cylinders of the ball. So you're talking special teams, offense, defense, and it kind of felt like there was a drop off with the experience of the offensive play calling compared to maybe the defensive game plan or even how special teams was emerging this season. And so I think, again, that that's going to come with time. I'm not saying Kellen was a bad offensive coordinator. I think for what Dallas is doing, though, you have to have an offensive coordinator coordinator that can emulate what special teams and specifically what your defense is doing because Dan Quinn raised that bar, uh, I mean, sky high at that point. So you need an offensive coordinator that's able to do the same thing for your offense and kind of keep up with the defense and not be putting them in situations to where they have to win the game. And then when they get tired, you see exactly what you saw against the 49ers. They're drained. They're not able to do much. They're not able to be productive anymore. So I'm excited to see uh, what comes out of Mike McCarthy's play calling. But as far as an offensive coordinator, guys, I don't know if you've sat to think about somebody that you, you know, say we live in a dream world, right? You can pick any offensive coordinator uh, that you want, or you can even have a more realistic take, you know, and, and go that route. But I'm going to ask you, is there anybody specific that comes to your mind that you think would be a good Cowboys offensive coordinator and why you think that person would do a great job? Brandon, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I know I don't have any names really off the top of my head, but I will say, I think if, if you want to have a coordinator come in and just be almost like a assistant to Mike McCarthy, if he is going to be calling the plays, I think if you have somebody that's a younger coordinator, somebody that knows the game, at least inside and out right now, the trends of everything that's happening. I think that will also put a little bit more of a modern touch on whatever Mike McCarthy is going to call. Cause like Chris mentioned, I mean, we don't know what Mike McCarthy is as a play caller. He hasn't called plays in almost four seasons. So four or five even, you know, and you're kind of like, okay, is he going to be sort of more of this old school traditional coordinator, which I I thought about today. I mean, we're in a generation now where a lot of head coaches that are offensive minds and coordinators, it's a young man's game. And I'm not saying anything, you know, negative towards a lot of the older play callers, but you see a lot of guys that are more traditional, very run heavy. And sometimes it's tough to adjust to the modern game. So I think if you have somebody, you know, maybe like an up and coming guy, like a Kellen Moore and just flip the roles where Mike McCarthy's doing the play calling, and you have some sort of assistant that's a little bit younger, you know, kind of help them along with modernizing the game and also helping Dak in that sense. I think that's what I want to see. Somebody that just has a little bit more of an up-and-coming feel to them and then maybe will help 
gel McCarthy's plan of whatever he has in place for Prescott, but also keep the offense relevant and not just be too traditional. There's a couple of uh, names that I would have off the top of my head. Just, you know, kind of if I could pick any names, obviously, you know, Cliff Kingsbury would be cool. Tony Romo would be cool. If you're really reaching for those great, you just, man, I want the best possible thing. But maybe on a more realistic standpoint, I could consider uh, Joe Brady. I don't know. He's kind of a younger guy. He was the quarterback's coach this year with the Buffalo Bills. And um, he was the offensive coordinator during LSU's national championship run. And he was the offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers from 2020 to 2021. I know that he didn't really have the most success as an offensive coordinator there, but also I think he'd be having a lot more weapons here. And like, and uh, like Brandon said, you know, he would bring a youthful kind of, you know, vibe here that I think that would complement Mike McCarthy. Well, I haven't really thought of a bunch of realistic names to put together, but just off the top of my head, I think Joe Brady would kind of be a cool, you know, um, guy to give a chance for sure. Dang, that's a good one. I haven't heard that one. I haven't seen that one anywhere. That was a really good one. Chris came prepared uh, for that question. I, I know. That. I, I'm sorry. Well, actually, I mean, I, no, I think I don't, I don't have one either. That's yeah. the thing is I don't have one either because if I lived in my dream world, I would say Tony Romo. I mean, really, <laughs> that's the kind of mind you need. And only Tony Romo has a Tony Romo mind. So if I could if I could pick that, if I could pick one it would be Tony Romo because I know he knows offensive game plans in and out. I mean, you hear it when he's commentating and just how he can dissect offenses and how he can dissect what defenses are doing to emulate what the offense needs to do. That's what you need. And to me, that's what is lacking with Kellen Moore is he just doesn't have the eye for that yet. And I'm not saying he can't, it's just, it's, it's lacking a little bit uh, with his, his experience. And so if I could pick one, I'm living in my dream world. I'm saying, Tony Romo, I know you're living your best life with your TV contract at CBS, but uh, hey, come come on over. The star the star is nice, as you know, and uh, Cowboys Nation, most most of Cowboys Nation would love that. But um, no, yeah, I, I don't have one at the top of my head. But what, what I think, too, is, is going to be interesting is what Jerry Jones wants, right? I mean, what Jerry jo- Jones wants, he typically gets. So I think... Uh, you know, maybe there's been conversation about this already in, in the Cowboys front office. I would imagine there's been some names floating around. So I think uh, very similar to what we've seen with Cowboys players throughout the season. You know, they were talking about the shiny toy Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, for that wide receiver position, uh, the veteran wide receiver position. Then you get a T.Y. Hilton, which ends up being productive and and honestly probably the better deal uh between the two so i'm i'm interested to see if that same mindset shifts into these coaching decisions um that they have to make because guys keep in mind keep in mind this is not the only cowboys vacancy coaching vacancy that will be open this offseason because so far we have seen these gentlemen uh you know leave i mean not renewing their contracts the cowboys not renewing their contracts which some of them are surprising to me so you had assess the assistant head coach rob davis uh senior defensive assistant george edwards that was very surprising to me offensive lineman coach joe philbin running backs coach skip pete assistant d-line coach leon lett and then you had this quality control coach kyle valero of course kellen moore and then uh also coming out with the news of uh quarterbacks coach doug nesmere who was released by the cowboys as well so to me that's a that's a lot that's that's cleaning house and and uh that to me says cowboys front office was not pleased with the end of the season. So my next question is, and this is a question that I think is coming up a lot, but I'm interested to see your, what you guys have to say is how 
do you think this puts Mike McCarthy's job stability or, or the position of his job? Because you're seeing them clean house. Do you think this is a McCarthy decision? Do you think this is a front office decision? Is it both? Or do you think this is his last year as a prove it year to prove that he can get this team past that rut that they've been in um, for the past almost 30 years at this point? Or do you think this is more building his kind of era and kingdom and finally getting rid of what was left of that Jason Garrett era that was kind of lingering in the star, Brandon? What do you think? It's a great point because that's sort of the next direction I was going to go in. So, I mean, we're on the same page here uh, that I I don't know what's going to come first. Is it going to be the positional coaches like an offensive line coach, uh, the running running backs coach before the offensive coordinator? Or is Mike McCarthy going to bring in the OC and then both of them together will find and fill out the other positions? Because I do think that this... Maybe maybe a few of the coaches were maybe a Mike McCarthy decision, but there were whispers that maybe the front office felt like that the coaching staff was too large, that there were too many people on staff and that they needed to downsize a little bit more. Like when you think about it, Art, Arden Dirty or Aiden Dirty, you know, he's the defensive line coach. And then you also had Leon Lett, who's an assistant defensive line coach. And it's like you have two guys working in the same position. And, you know, I, I'm sure everybody got along for the most part. We don't know, you know, what happens behind closed doors, but, you know, you have two people working the same position I think it could be almost a situation where like the wide receiver room last year could be just too many cooks you know and I think that maybe they just wanted to downsize kind of consolidate a little bit more when you're talking about consistency making sure everybody's on the same page if one coach is saying one thing to another player but then the other coach is saying another thing it just gets a lot of confusion a lot of things lost in translation so I think the overhaul is probably a good thing, especially if Mike McCarthy is taking over. Now it's, like you mentioned, Jess, his turn to put a stamp on this coaching staff. He brought in a lot of his guys the first season, and it didn't really work out, and a few guys stuck around, you know, from the Jason Garrett era. You know, now you're kind of replacing a little bit of everybody. And even Dan Quinn, when Dan Quinn was hired... A lot of the guys that first season that Mike McCarthy came in, you know, carried over. So now Dan Quinn can have an influence on who he wants as his linebackers coach and defensive line assistant if he wants to add that position back. So I think now you're going to see Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn really sitting down and saying, okay, who do we want to fill out our staff the best way possible? But like I said, the one thing I'm curious of is, is the OC going to be just promoted from within? And then, you know, you surround the cast of characters afterwards. Or are you going to get the cast first and then find an OC? Because I know a lot of teams right now are finding or looking for an offensive coordinator. So if you want somebody outside the building, you have to get on this now. I mean, you saw how quick Kellen Moore found a job. These jobs are going to be filling up pretty quickly. So if the Cowboys want to do that from the outside, they need to jump on it sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, Brandon, I 100% agree with you. Um, You know, I think it says a lot that this team went 12-5 and and we got about eight coaches you know, not coming back. I mean, it shows that, you know, um, it shows that the front office is really showing a commitment to changing things and kind of turning things around. I think that there's some people who you listed who probably didn't deserve to be gone. I mean, Skip Pete, for instance, you know, our running back room did a really good job. And I saw a stat too that I didn't even think about throughout the year. It never <laughs> occurred to me, but neither Tony Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott had one fumble throughout the entire season. I think that's really impressive. And that says a lot about coaching and, you know, ball security, you know, and all that. But I do think it's a big emphasis on Mike McCarthy really having a 
win now year. I think this does put a lot more responsibility on Mike McCarthy and it's going to be like, okay, well, if we don't succeed this year, then whose fault is it? You know, we don't have Kellen Moore as that scapegoat anymore. We don't have these positional coaches as scapegoats. So it's going to have to be all on Mike McCarthy. I think it's a huge prover year for Mike McCarthy, but I do like that we're getting rid of all these uh, staff members because I do think it allows him to really sit down with Dan Quinn, figure out what's best for the team, figure out who they think is the best to lead those, those players. So I think it's crazy that we let so many people go, especially after such a great year, but I do like it. I really do like it. I think it shows that the Cowboys are committed to winning now and they aren't really trying to mess around and waste any more time. Yeah, I agree. I think, too, um, when you you look at the success of the past two years specifically is, yeah, it sounds great. Cowboys got to the postseason. They even won the NFC East uh, last season. And even up until the last regular season, regular week of the season, I mean, the Cowboys could still have taken the number one seed of the NFC. So that's actually insane to think that all these coaching changes have come as quickly as they did. But I think it's because it was their prove it year, right? I mean, um, I I was surprised by Skip Pete, really, like like you said, Chris, because I really thought the run game when it was established was great. I, I thought Zeke was playing uh, like vintage Zeke, and then you know a lot of people forget he was dealing with that injury all season that kind of set him back once again. But despite that, he was still being productive. Tony Pollard obviously having a productive season. Um, you know, before he got taken out by injury as well uh, in that last game. But overall, I think what you're seeing here is just a new culture being solidified in in the star. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how Mike McCarthy runs things, and he doesn't really um, – he doesn't overstep his boundaries of a head coach. So he, he lets people do their job and he doesn't overstep boundaries and he delegates those jobs very well. So to me, it was a little surprising to see that he was going to take over that play calling uh, for whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be, because he's very about keeping coaches to do their job and, and allowing them to do that. But what I would keep an eye out for is there's somehow some way Jerry Jones got Dan Quinn to stay. And I don't know what it is, but I would keep an eye out for maybe a little extra title uh, that could be dropping for Dan Quinn at some point down the road. Um, I, I feel like he will have a lot more say than the typical uh, defensive coordinator would just because they value him so much and want him to have that kind of creative control. And I think he's earned that. I, I, 100% think he's earned that. Whatever Dan Quinn wants, you give it to him. Don't let him leave the building. Don't let him leave Dallas. Whatever he wants, give that man everything. Uh, give him the world, Jerry Jones. Give him the world. Don't let him leave Dallas. But, um, yeah, even that. So a good week, productive week. We wish Kellen more the best, and we love that Dan Quinn is not going anywhere. But... My last question about this, and then we'll get into our top 10 power rankings for the season. I cannot believe how fast that flew by. But um, my last question is, how do you think these coaching changes will impact free agency overall? Because, again, we know the laundry list of free agents that the Cowboys have. Do you think it impacts the free agency decisions a little bit, a lot? 
Brandon, where do you stand on that side uh, of that question? And if so, who do you think it would impact the most? Yeah, I think it, it it's a huge uh, factor, especially when you bring somebody back like Dan Quinn, when a lot of the free agents that we have talked about, Jess, uh, even in the breaking news podcast that we had last week, how you have Leighton Vander Esch, Jonathan Wilson, Jonathan Hankins, all these guys had quote-unquote career seasons. I mean, Jonathan Hankins has had success, but he looked really good in Dan Quinn's system as the year went on and he was finally adjusting. So a lot of these guys, they're going to be looking for new places, but when you have someone like Dan Quinn back in, in the, the home office, it's like, oh, okay, you know, maybe do we just re-sign with Dallas, maybe on a two-year deal? We know the cap keeps going up. We'll kind of dip our toe in the free agent market a few years from now, you know, something like that where they get their money up front right now on a shortened deal, and then maybe they get back into free agency a few years from now because the team could look completely different. But if, if they sign these short deals, then you know that they want to be here because of Dan Quinn. Or even if it's a long term, you also know that they love the organization and where the defense is. And I think that when you have also leaders like a J. Ron Curse, a Demarcus Lawrence, they act as almost like pseudo coaches for Dan Quinn and as ambassadors for the team. So I think even bringing guys in off the street, like you have those guys almost as like college recruiters going out and talking. Like everybody in this league knows everybody, you know, players, coaches, everything like that. So. You have a lot of players that can reach out to others. Like I put in my top five free agent listing um, for Dan Quinn staying on blogging the boys. Jalen Ramsey and Trayvon Diggs were interacting over Instagram. And I know Jalen Ramsey isn't a free agent right now, but it seems like by all accounts that they might be parting ways with him uh, with the, the Rams. So maybe you bring someone like him in because Trayvon Diggs and him get along so well. So those are just little tea leaves to follow. But I do think that depending on who they bring in, like an offensive line coach, offensive coordinator. Again, these players also know a lot of the coaches within the league. So if they like the coach, they like the system, they like what Dallas is building, a lot of these players want to win now. You know, there's no player that ever wants to go to a team just because it's like, oh, I, I like the city. And all these players are about winning. And maybe that plays a factor, but first and foremost, it's about winning championships. And with the success that Dallas has had, sustained success, I think that also bodes well for bringing in new free agents. So we'll see what happens on the offensive side, but I would expect a lot of defensive players to come in maybe on one, two-year deals because they see Dallas is in a win-now mode. I definitely agree with you, Brandon. Um, I can't really speak for how the offensive free agents feel about the whole, you know, um, moving in a new direction with all these position, all these positional coaches and um, with them um, moving on from Kellen Moore. But on the defensive side of the ball, I think it's huge for us bringing Dan Quinn back if Dan Quinn had taken a head coaching position maybe somewhere else, I mean, I'd be I'd be really worried about guys like Leighton Van Der Esch and Donovan Wilson maybe even just following him where he goes, you know, because he's been such a great defensive leader for us and he's really captivated all the players. And I think it's huge for us. I could definitely see us bringing back those guys maybe on cheaper deals than their market's actually worth just because they really want to stay in Dan Quinn's system. So I think it's huge, huge on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, you know, it is going to be interesting to see who we bring in and what kind of titles they have and what, you know, like reputation they have around the league because I think that's definitely going to impact what free agents want to do in the offseason. I like that you said reputation because that is a great Taylor Swift album. Um, but I do want to talk about salary cap because this tweet stood out to me today from Todd Archer. He said that the 2023 salary cap is set at $224.8 million. That's a lot of money, guys. What would you do with that amount of money? But um, the Cowboys are projected to be about $7.4 million over. Um, so keep in mind, he tweeted out that under that cap, they can get restructures uh, of contracts from Dak, Michael Gallup, Zach Martin, uh, Demarcus Lawrence. And, you know, there's a lot of other things. But 
that salary cap actually puts a little turn on things here because now the latest talk is, you know, you want to save that money, not only releasing Ezekiel Elliott, but also Tyron Smith, which is very interesting to me. Um, so we're going to see where, where things fall with that, but off season uh, is, is full of a lot of twists and turns. So I just want to get everybody prepared for, for that mentally. You heard it from us first and you have time to just, breathe through whatever happens uh, this off season. But let's go back throughout the course of this 2022-2023 Cowboys season because we give you our top 10 power rankings every week and uh, maybe not the good weeks because no one wanted to hear that and Brandon and I did not want to do that to you guys. So maybe not every week, but for the most part, we have our list together. We are dying to share that with you. Chris put together his list for a top 10 as well. We're going to do some comparing to see how our lists uh, match up. But Brandon, I'm going to have you do our countdown to the list because I personally don't want to read the wrong list um, and just embarrass us here on our own podcast. That would not be cool. That would not be fun. And I don't want to do that to us. So I'm going to have you read our list uh, for the sake of the integrity of the writer's block. Let's do that. I appreciate that. And also, I mean, it is, it's been like my baby throughout the season, you know, with my first year being at blogging the boys, I've been doing these weekly. Like just said, there's a little asterisk on maybe the, the games that there were absolute you know, terrible performances like a commander's game at the end of the season. Didn't do one for that. Uh, but you know, the, it's, it's crazy to see where we were at the mid season rankings to where we finish up. And like, like Jess said, you know, we're going to compare it to Chris, but at the number 10 spot, we have a three-way tie. And I think the names kind of stand out in different, uh, aspects of the Cowboys and kind of summarizing the season. You have Brett Maher, you have Ezekiel Elliott and you have Deron Bland. And I think that it's it's crazy to think that, you know, Brett Maher still made the list, of course, with his you know postseason performance or lack thereof. But you have to remember that this guy was performing very well during the regular season for the Cowboys, had that immaculate game in uh, against the Vikings, did really well against the Eagles in Dallas when they were failing to score touchdowns. He was still kicking field goals really, really well. But then also Elliott and Deron Bland. Elliott, you know, sort of had his production throughout the season kind of consistent like under the radar, you know, ranking towards the bottom of our list, but adding up the points. But also to see someone like a Deron Bland make the list, I think is huge, not only as a sign for the future for the Cowboys, but just to see where this rookie class, you know, continues to churn out success and talent and kudos to Will McClain and what they do on that side. And this is a fifth round rookie. I mean, the fact that he's making the top 10 list for us, I think just speaks volumes. But, uh, you know, like we said, Chris might have a different take on his, but I think that's a pretty solid list for the bottom three. And then, of course, we'll get Jess's opinion on that too. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a really solid list. You know, I think Deron Bland had an amazing season for a rookie. He had five interceptions. He led the team. I mean, he had to step up after Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown went down. And, you know, like there were some learning curves. Our secondary took some hits, but I really think overall he stepped up and made, you know, the plays that he needed to make. You know, I also think that Brett Maher was was a was one of the best parts of our football team throughout the regular season you know you know I really hate for him that the playoffs went the way it did because he's such a good guy and he's also he also had such a great regular season you know I think that maybe the casual NFL fan who didn't watch the Cowboys are like wow why is this kicker in Dallas like why haven't they gotten rid of him he should have been gone right after the wild card round but you know they don't understand how consistent Brett Maher was I mean he was making everything and he's so reliable from deep distance so yeah and and um, I also agree with the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing I mean Overall, I think that Zeke kind of fell off down the backstretch of the season. And, you know, like that could be because he was dealing with injuries. And, you know, 
and and um, Pollard was getting a lot more touches because he showed his explosion early on. But you know he did get a lot of touchdowns. He was consistently getting the ball in the end zone, and and um, he's a great pass blocker, and um, he does everything else great. So so I think that that's a really good three to have at your number ten spot for sure. I think that they all contributed in in uh, various different ways for the Cowboys this season. Yeah, you already know what I'm going to say about Deron Bland. He is anything but Bland, and you forget this guy is a rookie. You really do. You watch him play, and you forget he's so young. It's insane to me uh, that that is the bar he set his rookie season. I'm excited to see uh, how Dan Quinn can help him continue to grow, too, because we've seen that second-year jump uh, come from players. So I'm excited to see what Dan Quinn does with Deron Bland in year two. You already know how I feel about Brett Maher, guys. I don't have to reiterate it. You already know how much uh, crow I've eaten since the news broke that he was coming back to Dallas. Here's the thing. Even with how things played out for him in the postseason, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys brought him back because he has just been such a staple point of this Cowboys team this season. I mean, heck, for the first stretch of the season, he was the only one putting points on the board for you. He was keeping you in the games, and he was consistent. It's just to see him fall apart when he did and how he did is is just so heartbreaking. Because And Witt's over here crying about it too because it really was such a great season and a comeback season for for Cowboys Nation to watch him um, perform like he did. So I'm anything I saw in the postseason from Brett Maher, it's kind of out of my head at this point because I know the kind of player he is. Um, and then, of course, Zeke. Yes, I am a Zeke truther through and through. I think he's just such a physical guy. And so with that amount of physicality that he plays with and the amount of hits that his body is taking week in and week out, course you're going to see a deterioration of his productivity and you're going to see less and less of him but that's why that one-two punch works out it's you you take that stress off of Zeke all the time and especially you know him playing with injury that's big that is huge for somebody like Zeke who who runs on power and um, maybe is not as explosive as he used to be but the guy's a fighter He's a fighter. He is a leader of this team I am a Zeke truther through and through and I know that's an unpopular opinion I don't care. Y'all can hate me for it. Zeke Truther, I will die on that hill. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about it in the offseason to see what happens there. But I am really proud of the productivity that he's had uh, with Tony Pollard throughout the duration of this season because the man's a brick wall. I mean, when it comes to blocking, you watch back. Tony Pollard's allowed to be explosive because Zeke's making those holes most of the time. So, again... I'm a, I'm a Zeke truther through and through, but Chris, who is number 10 on your list? I'm curious. On mine specifically, it was Deron Bland. I think that his impact was just so great that um, I had to put him there. It was really actually really close between him and Tyler Smith. I was really considering that Tyler Smith was one of my honorable mentions and it's not because necessarily Tyler Smith did anything wrong. I think he, he surprised the heck out of me. I really thought that that was a bad pick. I had to eat a lot of crow about that. I complained about it a lot on my Instagram when we drafted him, but he proved me wrong. He played spectacular, and I think he's really a big reason why we're even having this Tyron Smith discussion because we were really considering that he was going to be the replacement for Tyron in the future, and that's kind of already happened. He's kind of has you know replaced him and shown that he can be that guy and he can show that he's he's um durable and that he can stay on the field. So, but I did go with Deron Bland just because he did have five interceptions and he had to step up through injury. And I think that to have those interceptions and and he was also pretty physical too. He had fifty four tackles, which is a lot for a cornerback too. So you know, like overall, I think Deron Bland really 
you know, being the fifth round rookie that he was, I think he really, you know, like exceeded expectations. And I think that he was just such a great bright spot for this defense. That's such a great point. And uh, Jess is in full come at me mode in the off season. I love that uh, where she's dying on all these hills, it, you know, off season, everybody go attack Jess on Twitter. She's, she's here for it. She's, she's ready to throw up the fists um, at number. Well, yeah. Especially Eagles fans. Like <laughs> I'm done. I'm done playing guys. Well, I'm, and you I'm were- nice. You were shocked. You were shocked to see that Bradley Cooper was a Eagles fan. I thought you knew that. I didn't know that, guys. Yeah. I had no idea. I felt so betrayed. I don't think you understand. Like I took that personal. I really did. And I hate to admit this out loud. Taylor Swift's also an Eagles fan. Mm. Not everyone can be perfect, you know. Like, not everyone can be perfect. I'm I'm willing to overlook that for Taylor Swift, just not Bradley Cooper. Yeah, exactly. And we'll let that slide. Uh, but you know what? At number nine for Jess and I, we had Demarcus Lawrence on our list. Uh, pro bowler again for the third time in his career. But I think, again, it's a guy who flew under the radar didn't really flash towards the end of the season. Again, dealing with injury, you know, uh, with with his foot. I don't think it ever fully healed. You know, we'll see what happens if he has any sort of surgery in the offseason. But um, I think that, again, his Pro Bowl nomination just speaks to it's not always about the stats. It's not always about the sacks and the tackles that you get. It's the hidden yardage, as they always say, that he's a great run stopper, a great run defender. He puts on a clinic every week for being a defensive end and stopping the run. So we we felt like compelled each and every week to always put him on that list. I saw towards the second half of the season, it's like he might not be in the top five. Maybe he'll be at six, seven, kind of floating around that range. But I think that he's definitely somebody that has to be on this list, not only from a leadership standpoint, but also to somebody who has that like hidden yardage, just like I was talking about. Yeah, no, I have um, a J Ron curse at number nine. You know, I think he had a great season. He had 77 tackles, two sacks, two fumbles, um, of recoveries and an interception. I have Demarcus. La- I mean, I have Demarcus Lawrence on this list as well. I just have him a little bit higher up. I think that J Ron curse is really that third leader on this defense. I mean, he literally, he's like, you know, like after Mike and after Layton, he's the guy who's kind of, leading and roaming that secondary and he can play so many different positions and be all over the field and and I had him there I love the DeMarcus Lawrence pick I just have him a little bit higher on mine because of his impact in the run game and I really think DeMarcus Lawrence had one of his better seasons in recent history this year yeah I agree with both of those J. Ron curse starting with with that I mean man talk about a breakout season for a guy who came back from injury. I think a lot of people forget that this man came back from injury and was still just as productive. And I love that, you know, the Cowboys, when it comes to injuries, they prioritize guys uh, and their health so well that there's not a drop off when they come back. And it's, it's just incredible to see. But as far as tank, I am just so proud of the season he has had because there was again, a lot of speculation at the beginning of the season of, how much he could really be an impact now that you have Micah Parsons in the scheme. And, and um, I, I think when you have a tank and you have a lion coming at you from both sides, that's not a place you want to be. That is not anywhere I would want to be. So um, I'm very proud of how DeMarcus Lawrence has carried himself, not only on the field, but as a locker room leader, he pumps the guys up. He is the guy that is, um, you know, officially the veteran in the room that's giving uh, Micah Parsons those, you know, pointers to, to help him be better. And um, that's really what you see in the Cowboys locker room is you see those veteran guys that are helping the younger guys get better. So for me, that's such a special talent to have. And when he's productive and you see him just zoned in on making a play, it's so special to see. So I'm happy that he is our number nine and J Ron is your number nine, Chris. I love that too. And it's, it's a great point because 
J-Ron is also on our list. I guess we love J-Ron a little bit more than Chris, but that's okay. We won't let that float on Twitter. This way J-Ron knows about it. We'll keep that hidden. Uh, unless he listens to the podcast, then we, we welcome that. But at number eight, I think that very surprising names, like Chris mentioned, Tyler Smith was almost going to make his list. He made ours, but also tied with somebody that, again, was sort of under the radar at the beginning of the season with Leighton Vander Esch. So both Tyler Smith and Vander Esch are at number eight. And I think... It speaks to, again, these guys that are coming out of nowhere for the Cowboys that came in with low expectations in this season. And Leighton Vanderesh was brought back on a one-year deal. A lot of people thought that, okay, you let him walk. Maybe you don't bring him back. But it showed that the second half of the season, he just exploded. And even in the first half, you look at the stats and it's like, okay, yeah, he was very consistent. Maybe not flashy like a Demarcus Lawrence. But in that second half, when the defense was starting to get better in the run game, and Jonathan Hankins was brought in, Leighton Vander Esch turned into a different player. And you look at someone like a Tyler Smith, it's the same thing. At the beginning of the season, a little slow, you know, kind of finding his footing. Again, this guy's a rookie, so it's an expectation of that. But in the second half, he solidified the blind side for Prescott, and you didn't have to worry about Tyron Smith coming back and having this argument of, oh, which Smith is going to be out the left tackle side? Because again, injuries play a factor, they play themselves out. But Tyron Smith was put on the right side. You know, it wasn't like you shifted Tyler Smith over to the right and put Tyron back on the left. Tyler Smith played an excellent rookie season. I think that that goes undervalued. Uh, Like Chris said, maybe draft night, a lot of people didn't like the pick, but I'm sure people are very happy with it now. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely happy to say that I was wrong about that pick. I think that those are both great choices. You know, like I think they both had such a great impact throughout the season. At number eight for me, I had Donovan Wilson. He just... I mean, like, talk about filling up the stat sheet. 101 tackles, five sacks, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, an interception. I mean, he's everywhere on the defense. And I really think he's like that enforcer, too. He, he, he you know, like, he lays those big hits. He makes sure that you don't want to run into him again. And I think he's a guy who really, I would consider him a Pro Bowl snub. I think that he was up there in that conversation. I think that him, Brett Maher, and a couple other guys on this Cowboys roster were snubbed. And I think that he's one of them. He really was that anchor in that secondary, right with J. Ron Curse. You know, it's hard to, you know, pick between those two, but it just shows how great that this safety room is. I, I think it's the best safety room we've had, you know, like since, you know, you know, um, and I'm a really in recent history. I mean, and, and, and you also have Malik Hooker as well. I think that that was a great, you know, third safety with there as well. So, you know, Donovan Wilson's impact kind of made J. Ron Curse's, um, um, not being around, you know, um, a little bit better for sure. So I definitely agree with you guys on on your picks, but I also had Donovan Wilson at number eight. Oh, I love me some Dono. Oh my goodness. I love me some Dono. This guy has jets for legs. I'm convinced. I mean, he was all over the place. I, and to me, that again is just a product of what Dan Quinn is able to do with these guys playing up on their strengths and his speed and his versatility. And so I appreciate the hell out of that pick um, right there. But as far as LVE goes, he is somebody that surprised me so much this season that I was rooting for. Like I wasn't ready to completely say goodbye to LVE. I was actually really happy when he was on that put on that one-year deal because to me, when you see that, happen it's okay show me it's your show me year and oh he showed us he put on a show I mean LVE is a guy that I don't think a lot of people would sit here talking about now making a long-term deal with this offseason and possibly franchise tagging I mean it just depends and he to me you look at that free agency list he's one of the top three guys that 
in my opinion, the Cowboys front office needs to seal down uh, before the season, the off season's over. And not only that, but he was somebody I was really concerned with. If Dan Quinn were to have taken a job somewhere else, I could have almost promised that LVE would have gone wherever Dan Quinn went. And um, I'm just really excited for him. What will forever, forever make me so sad about LVE this season is I would have loved to see his numbers if he played the entirety of the season and if he was able to emulate his rookie season numbers, which we just know was phenomenal. And that's so rare for a guy that that's far that that is that far in his career years later to almost be able to say I could have matched those numbers if not done better. Incredible, absolutely incredible season from LVE, and then Tyler Smith. What a shock for everybody. I mean, this is a guy you're talking about. Mike McCarthy was saying uh, right before Tyron Smith got injured, you're talking like two days before they're back at the star for training camp. And Mike McCarthy says, you know, where things stand right now, Tyler Smith probably wouldn't be the starter. Guess what happens? He's the starter and he absolutely did what he needed to do. Of course, um, you know, we know that, it's so special for him to be on this O-line that's so versatile already. And, and that's easy to do easier. I should say easier to do when you have three future hall of fame O-linemen on that line with you, they can be versatile and switch sides. Not nah, Tyler Smith made it look just as easy as these veteran professionals. I mean, he made this job look easy, which is how, you know, you're good at your job. I always say you make it look easier doing a really good job. So very, very proud of him. And, what gets me is you talk to him and he's so gentle and so nice. He's the sweetest person, but he's such a beast on the field. So I love that. Uh, very yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. All the things very kind, very sweet. Um, but then an, is an absolute menace when it comes to uh, protecting whatever position he's going to play in that game, because now, you know, he's versatile as well. So excited for him and to see what he can do for the rest of his career. Really. We, we were talking about offensive linemen, and another one made the list. I'll do two names here because I think that they are both the MVPs, almost like a an MVP in the name specifically, and I talked about this with J. Ron Curtis as well, but uh, he's our number seven spot with J. Ron, and number six is Zach Martin. And I say MVP because I do think that when you look at the offense and you look at the defense, Micah Parsons is the best player on defense. We know that. Uh, we know that maybe on offense, CeeDee Lamb or Tony Pollard are the best players on offense. But when you look at that word, most valuable player, like adding value to your team, I think J. Ron Curse is an extension of what Dan Quinn is as a coach. And when Dan Quinn is up in the booth calling all the plays, J. Ron Curse is almost like the coach on the field, acting as a mentor and a leader, coaching up the young guys, you know, leading by example, being a great physical player. And then you have someone like Zach Martin, where he's the definition of consistency. The guy has been solid as a rock since he came in as a rookie. And nobody bats an eye that when he's in the lineup, it's like, okay, we don't have to worry about the position. And it's crazy to think about a player like that. It's like football, you have so many limited opportunities to play at a high level. But when we look at that particular position, it's like, oh, Zach Martin, you know, let's worry about everything else. So I think that they are the most valuable players when it comes to the offense and defensive side. And I'm happy that at the end of the season, you have seven with J. Ron Curse and six with Zach Martin. Yeah, no, those are both 
you know, just awesome players for sure. I, you know, on my list, I actually had Demarcus Lawrence at seven. I had him a little bit higher than you guys. I think he really had such a great impact on the run game, which he always does, but he also had a great impact on the pass rush as well. I mean, he had six sacks. He was all over the field. And then at my number six spot, I have the Wolf Hunter, Leighton Van Der Esch. Um, you know, like we talked about having a lion on one end and then a tank on the other. Well, we also have a wolf hunter in the middle. We have everyone just, you know, like we have nicknames for everyone on this defense almost. And I love it. Um, you know, Layton was incredible. I think that, you know, I have him at six. I have him higher maybe than some of these guys who had more stats just because of his impact and his value. He brings such a good value to this defense, his leadership. And I just think he has that kind of factor where he makes the people around him better. Like I think Anthony Barr played better when he was next to Layton Van Der Esch. I think Damone Clark played played better when he was next to Leighton Van Der Esch. I think that all these defensive players around him just play better when he's on the field. He's really brought kind of a Sean Lee type mentality, in my opinion, to this defense. And he's just a bigger, stronger Sean Lee, in my opinion. So, you know, it's awesome. I really hope that we can re-sign him. I think it's pretty, like, mandatory that we do that if we want to continue this defensive success next season. I have Zach Martin on my list as well. I have him a little bit higher. I guess I'll wait to talk about him. But, yeah, no, he was, you know... You know, it's so nice not having to worry about Zach Martin. He's just going to come and he's going to do his job every single week. And you know that he's going to be a consistent beast every single week. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy about that. And that's also another pick, you know. You know, like I talked about how I was wrong about Tyler Smith. I'll admit I was wrong about Zach Martin. I, I was I was one of those people that wanted Johnny football. And, you know, I'm so happy that I was wrong. I did. I wanted Johnny football. I was all in on the hype. I, I was like, there's no way he falls to us. He fell to us. I was like, yo, this is going to be our guy. Tony Romo is kind of, you know, starting his little, I know, I know, I know, I know that's a hot take. I was one of those Cowboys fans. I'm so glad I was wrong. So glad that I don't run the front office because that would have been a mistake. And uh, yeah, no, I'm very happy that Zach Martin turned out the way that he did. And I'm never going to not trust the front office again when it comes to draft picks because they continuously hit on them. And if it makes you feel any better when it comes to draft picks, I think having Dan Quinn, um, is going to do so much good as far as the draft process goes because what people don't realize is he has so many relationships with people all over the place. You hear him talking about, yeah, I knew his older brother or I knew his younger brother. I knew his uncle. I mean, Dan Quinn is just such a well-connected guy that he's the kind of person that is scouting for people years in advance and watches them progress years in advance. I mean, you look at Micah Parsons, like what he's been able to do with Micah since the duration of Micah's career insane absolutely insane so all that to say uh yeah chris we love you but we're so glad you were not part of the cowboys front office uh for that draft that year but going back to zach martin because wow talk about a staple of a team i mean who would have thought that yeah zach martin would be this mvp kind of conversation uh when it comes to this cowboys o-line but what really gets me about him is his, um, I guess, his mentality and his focus. It's so special to see somebody who just has the same kind of mentality and focus, um, whether they are winning, whether they're losing. He is your even-keeled, going to keep his calm demeanor for his guys. And that I appreciate so much. Again, it goes with that uh, veteran leadership that you have on that O-line. 
can't say enough good things about the guy. Um, yeah, I really, I really, really can't wait to see what kind of growth Tyler Smith can continue to do with somebody like Zach Martin, who's always been there to give him guidance, especially when it comes to those pre-snap penalties. I think that's something that he has really worked with Tyler Smith about. Same, same thing with Jason Peters. I mean, all those guys just working to help the younger guys is so special to me. So Shout out to Zach Martin. He deserves all of our love, and we love him very, very much on this podcast. Yeah, right guards are totally undervalued, and it might not be the sexy pick like Johnny Football, but they are the most appreciative uh, when they're lifetime future Hall of Famers. I think the stat still remains true that he has more Pro Bowls than penalties, so keep that going there, buddy. Uh, and then five and four, we'll do you know another names back-to-back. Five, we had Donovan Wilson. We already talked about him a little bit with Chris's pick, but I think, like I mentioned at the top, Jess and I are higher on some of these players than everybody has been all season. Uh, she's been the the fangirl of the Donov- Donovan Wilson fan club since the very beginning. I was late to the party, but as soon as I saw him week three against the Giants, I was hopping on that bandwagon, uh, bandwagon very, very uh, often, and I just think that it's unfortunate that he performs so well in his free agent, you know, departing season. Cause I do think that his contract will be out of this world. You know, maybe they tag him in a surprise move instead of somebody else on the team. But the hope is that when you have somebody like a Dan Quinn back, that he brings someone like Donovan Wilson back. Cause he had this vision for him. Some guys don't perform well as they leave, you know, but again, if he can make this generational wealth, you know, I, every guy deserves that opportunity. So it might be tough to re- retain Donovan Wilson, but he definitely was one of the best players on the team, which is why he's at number five. And then number four, a guy who I thought wasn't on the trajectory trajectory to make a top five for this list, but we had CeeDee Lamb at number four, and I think that's a perfect spot for him because at the beginning of the year, things were just a little bit uncertain, but then that second half, once the Odell Beckham talk started, he just exploded into being a sure top number one, top five receiver in the NFL. So I'm happy that he made this list, and I think – Moving forward, I, I could see him being in the top three, top two, uh, depending on where he's at next season, you know, being probably the most explosive player on the Cowboys offense. So I'm happy he made the list, but I don't think that this is his floor at all. Yeah, no, I agree with those names for sure. I actually had CeeDee Lamb at my number four as well. So we matched there. My number five pick, um, you know, some people will think he had a bad year, but I'm not here for it. I have Trayvon Diggs at number five. I think he had a really good year. I know he didn't have the 11 interceptions. He had three, but he was a consistent lockdown corner for a majority of the season. I mean, if you look at all the games, he shut down Terry McLaurin both, um, you know, on that first time they played. I won't really count that second time. Everything was going wrong. Um, he shut down Jamar Chase. He shut down Justin Jefferson. He did really everything that you could ask. And it's, you know, like it's almost to the point with me, it's like, what do you want him to do? If he can't get all the interceptions, then he can't get all the interceptions. But, but, but you know, if he is getting all the, if he is getting all those interceptions, then it's because he's playing too risky. So there's, you know, not really a winning situation for him when it comes to these haters out there on the social media. But I think Trayvon Diggs was awesome this year. And, you know, he had his moments. He had that dropped interception against the 49ers. You know, I didn't necessarily love that. But, you know, you know, you know, I mean, it happens, you know, like not everyone's perfect. And I think Trayvon Diggs did awesome. CeeDee Lamb, he really became that number one wide receiver that that we anticipated that he could be when we drafted him. I mean, I think there's a reason why he got the number 88, you know, like those are high expectations. And I think the Cowboys were hundred percent right that they thought that he could be that big dog by letting go of Amari Cooper. How, I mean, yeah, but however, I also believe that they shouldn't have let go of Amari Cooper because they 
they needed that wide receiver too still. You know what I mean? So I'm glad for CD's developments that that happened. But overall, we could have used Amari Cooper. But I mean, CD just looked phenomenal throughout the year. And just his adversity, that's kind of what we talk about, a theme with this Dallas Cowboys team throughout the year. You know, you know, in that uh, Giants game in their first meeting when he dropped that wide open would-be touchdown, the entire social media crew just was on his head about it. And he really came back that game and came away with some phenomenal catches and, and, and was a big key in, in, um, in a bringing a win to the Cowboys in that game. And he just rode that momentum the rest of the season. So, yeah, no, I love some Trayvon Diggs and I love some CeeDee Lamb. And I'm so happy that they're a part of our, pro, you know, you know, I'm so happy that they're a part of our organization. And it's, and it's going to be interesting, you know, with all this salary cap, they are both going to be potentially eyeing a new deal this offseason. It would be smart, in my opinion, for the Cowboys to kind of get ahead of that so we don't get into a holdout situation next offseason. I think that they should pay them now while they can. It's going to be really interesting to see what their markets will look like. I really think Trayvon Diggs has an argument to be the highest paid corner in the league. I think his, you know, you know, I think his resume kind of speaks for that, just how the market works. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Cowboys are willing to pay that much money for one guy. Very interesting indeed. It always is when it comes to free agency uh, in in this time of the season. But uh, let's start with Trayvon Diggs. I actually love that you put him that high on your list because people do not give Trey enough credit for what he does. And yes, you haven't seen the same amount of of interceptions that maybe you're used to seeing, but. Why would you, if you're a quarterback, why would you throw the ball near Trayvon Diggs? It just makes sense. You're not going to. Like, you're not, as an offense, you're not going to scheme to make Trayvon your guy. You're going to pick more so on a Nation Wright uh, or, or somebody else, you know? You're not going to pick on on Trayvon Diggs. It's just, you, he would act as your wide receiver at that point. So, of course, that's why you're not seeing that. It's not a lack of his productivity or anything like that. But, um Speaking of wide receivers, our guy, CeeDee Lamb, I'm so proud of him. I am so excited to see what he's going to do uh, throughout the duration of his career because this was only the start and this set the bar for what he's able to do as a wide receiver. You see him making plays in the air. He's running on the edges there. I mean, I'm just so happy that he and Dak especially have that chemistry now. They have that trust. They have the communication to have the quarterback wide receiver one dynamic that you need uh, to lock in first before you even add other names into the mix. Right. So um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't high on the uh, entire Amari Cooper situation when it happened, but I looking at how things played out this season, I don't know how much of an impact he would have had compared to the amount of productivity that CD ended up having throughout the duration of the season either. Um, Not to say things would have been different or, or anything like that. It's just, it's another what if game that we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But I will say as, as soon as those OBJ talks started and CD stepped up, I was like, you are wide receiver one because that is the kind of mentality you need from your wide receiver one. And uh, you even had T.Y. Hilton in there for that short, short duration to kind of help coach him, which I think is going to go longer. Um, it's going to go a long ways compared to what people think it is because those kind of things are valuable. And those kind of mentorships are valuable, just like a work mentorship for you in your everyday life. You have your mentor that uh, you go to every now and then. I'm really happy that CD has TY now that can kind of help mentor him through, uh, you know, the, the better half of his career that's about to come up. So I'm excited to see CD on his up and up and I'm just so happy he had the season he did. 
when we're talking about wide receiver, you can't not talk about the quarterback. And uh, when we did our midseason review, Cooper Rush made it to the top five. He was at number five, but actually Dak Prescott made it to number three. And I understand that the argument right now is, you know, Dak uh, cost the Cowboys the season. He didn't perform well against the 49ers. You know, it's just he led the league in interceptions. That does not tell the whole story of Dak Prescott in 2022. Again, the guy missed a lot of the season due to the thumb injury and came back to lead one of the top offenses in the NFL. Again, it's not always about the interceptions. It's not always about, you know, the yards and the production. When you look at a game where he performed poorly and to start, which is the Houston game, he led the Cowboys on that game-winning drive, uh, you know, to score and take the lead. Like I, that sits at, at a high level to me, and and I put him high on that list. Dueling back and forth with Gardner Minshew against the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, in the second game at home on Christmas Eve, that goes down as one of the best performances of the season to me. You know, hitting that third and thirty, like. This this guy is a quarterback that the Dallas Cowboys can win with. I know a lot of people want to cut him. A lot of people want to trade him. It's not possible. And you have to look at the bigger picture of the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And I look at the way that Dak played this season. It still shows glimpses of Dak that we know can be an elite level quarterback. And maybe if he is in the top five to top, or I'm sorry, at for between five and 10 in the NFL, like that's an okay thing to admit. Not everybody's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody's going to be Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, all these guys, Lamar Jackson, Dak has a different skill set. So now where does this go going forward? And uh, if you told me that Dak was going to be at a, in like the top three, top th- two range, I would have said great. But the fact that he missed the first half of the season and still managed to be in the top five for us, I think speaks volumes to him. And again, he's a great leader. I think that plays a big factor into us putting him on this list as well. At number two, I think the biggest surprise of the whole season is Tony Pollard. And when you look at the Cowboys and how their track record with Tony at the beginning of the season, you know, and even prior to that, everyone was saying, well, where's Tony? You know, where's Tony Pollard? Not Romo. You know, where's Pollard, you know, in this offense? And he took the uh, a huge jump to not only make the Pro Bowl, but probably going to make some money this offseason being a free agent, you know, whether it's with another team or with the Cowboys. But he showed that he is one of the most explosive backs in the NFL has a similar skill set to somebody like a Christian McCaffrey, and that's not lying. That's what a lot of the media professionals say. I know I'm a professional, but trust other people as well. Uh, And I look at just his balance, like how he is as a runner. He's not only physical for his size, but he has great balance, and he was able to lead so many explosive plays for the Cowboys and and score a lot of touchdowns. You know, um, he had over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. So I think him being number two was a surprise, but I also don't think while we're looking at at the end of the season as a recap, it's not a surprise to us because he was one of the best players on the Cowboys all season. Yeah, on my list, I um I actually have Tony Pollard at number three. I think that, you know, and, and here's my thing. I'm going to go in on why he is, but I want to say beforehand that I'm not an anti-Zeke person. Whenever I say anything positive about Tony Pollard on my Instagram, everyone comments, oh, you hate Zeke, you hate Zeke. No, I don't. I'm just pro-Tony Pollard, okay? He literally was amazing this season. He had 1,300 total yards, 12 total touchdowns. I mean, I would argue that he was really that key factor that was keeping the Cowboys offense running during Dak's injury. I mean, he had the most 50 yard plays for the Cowboys throughout the season. He was just phenomenal at breaking tackles. He, he showed off his explosion. He showed off his receiving ability. I mean, he was such a consistent guy for the Cowboys throughout this, um, throughout this whole season. And I really, this isn't a, you know, like a dig on Zeke, but I really felt like anytime Tony Pollard wasn't touching the ball, it was kind of a, 
it was a missed opportunity because he could break any one of those loose, you know, and like he's shown that throughout the season. My number two isn't really number two. It's more of a one B. That's how I ranked it on my rankings. I couldn't really put him at two. I had Zach Martin. I know that that's kind of a big jump from where you guys have him, but I mean, he played a thousand one hundred and forty three snaps this season. He had one penalty and zero sacks. That's insane. That is as consistent as you can ask for. He always handles his business. He's always healthy, knock on wood. He's always, you know, like he's always exactly what you need from him. And just the most insane stat, he has more all pro appearances than he does holding penalties throughout his career. That's one of the craziest stats I've ever heard of in any sport. And he, I think he's, he was the most valuable, maybe not the flashiest because offensive linemen don't get the love that they deserve because they do all the gritty work. But without him, you're not getting that flashiness from Tony Pollard. You're not getting the flashiness from Dak. You're not getting the flashiness from CD lamb. He handles his business every single week. And he was such a vital part to the Cowboys as he is every single year. And I think we can all agree that that one holding call he got this season was so not ticky tack. Yes, no. Like, take it back. I hope that NFL officiant feels guilty for that because that was just wrong. It was anyway. He just straight up pancaked him. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> going against Zach Martin. What do you want? Like, yeah, no, I. I love that stat from Zach Martin, but um, jumping back to our list because of the great productivity from guys like Zach Martin on that O-line, you have Tony Pollard who completely just emerged this season. And, you know, I, I think the perfect example, and Brandon's talked about this before he tweeted about it during the game against the 49ers was it shows you how much of the game plan was centered around Tony Pollard when he was out of that game and everything unraveled after that. I mean, no one knew what the game plan was offensively for the Cowboys after Tony Pollard got injured in that San Francisco game. So again, he is kind of the staple of your offense, which is insane to think of. But when you have this run first mentality that opens up, you know, your RPO and then, and then your pass game, sure. You have to have your staple. And um, I I'm all about that one, two punch to where Zeke is just a little bit more physical to me than Tony Pollard. But something that Tony Pollard brings is that yak ability and the yards he gets after catch or carry it's insane. The guy will fight for every single yard. And I don't know how he is dragging these 200 pound men just to get extra yards. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds like a task to me. I'm not willing to try to do that, but Tony Pollard does it every single time. So um, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting off season. Now, when you add this injury in to the free agency talk that uh, he's about to go into. So let's see where the chips fall with that one. Um, but I will say, if the Cowboys fumbled the bag with Tony Pollard this offseason, I am not going to be happy. I, I, mm, I don't even want to get into that, but I will say they cannot afford to fumble that bag. They cannot afford to do it. And I know the conversation is, well, do you draft a back? I, to me personally, that, that shouldn't be your priority when you have somebody like Tony Pollard. It, it just shouldn't be. But all that to say, I digress, but all that to say, Tony Pollard – absolutely deserves all the praise he's gotten this season. Uh, even when it comes down to things like his pass pro that was very, very uh, not great at the beginning of the season, look how much he's emerged in that. And he's just always someone that's working to be better in all aspects of his game. And I can appreciate a guy that, uh, you know, knows he's great, but then continues to be a student of the game. Uh, never that too big of a head mentality. And somebody else that has that are Rain Dakota Prescott, Look, guys, if you are enduring in this 
get rid of DAC conversation, don't talk to me. That is absurd. That is ridiculous. And y'all need to cut it out. Like I, Brandon, you talked about how snappy I am this off season. It's because I'm having to listen to things like that. I love it. <laughs> Good. Cause it's not going anywhere. I mean, here's the thing. Do I think that Dak has had uh, uh how do I word this? Do I think Dak has had opportunities to be better and he didn't? Sure. But I also think when you break down Dak's season, this season alone, you look at a guy that came back from an injury on his throwing hand. Guys, that is so not something to overlook here. And I'm not making excuses for him, but you're talking about a throwing hand and a thumb. And this guy nursed it back, came back, played great, played well enough to get you into the postseason. And I just, I wonder how much of it for Dak is a product of that thumb still, you know, maybe having to change even just the slightest bit of how he's throwing the ball. Um, you know, it, it comes to interceptions this season. I don't, I don't think a lot of them were his fault. I think when you look at everything and you look at how things played out, it is a product of your offensive game plan. So to me, this season is going to be Dak's prove it season because now you don't have the Kellen Moore scapegoat anymore to say that that's why Dak's having the interception problem or that's why he's not being as productive anymore. You don't have that anymore. So what Dak does this upcoming season to me is going to be who he is as a quarterback. And um, I'm excited to see what him and McCarthy can do together. I think they have a great relationship. I think they have great chemistry to where McCarthy knows him well enough to know what kind of play calling is going to be- benefit him the most and play up on all of the strengths and all of the weapons that were underutilized throughout the duration of the season. So Dak, look, I will fight to the death for you with all of these Twitter trolls because yeah, some of y'all, some of y'all are just too much and you're doing the most and you don't have to like, here's your reminder. You don't have to do that. You don't have to tweet every thought that comes into your brain, especially if it has to do with getting rid of Dak. That's just, not a conversation I will ever entertain. But, yeah, we love Dak on this podcast as well. Speaking of Twitter, uh, the number one spot uh, of the player on our list, I'd like to say, is probably one of the more active uh, members of the Twitterverse, and that is Micah Parsons. And I think that I could speak for all of us when we say that that is the number one person on almost everybody's list because he took that leap uh, from year one to year two in Dan Quinn's system and flourished. And maybe he kind of tailed off in the second half of the season. But remember that this is his first full year playing the majority of the snaps at defensive end. I think he played only a handful of snaps uh, at linebacker, and that was in the Green Bay game when they were down a few linebackers. But this guy is adjusting to not only an NFL position at defensive end, but you know, still he still always says, like, I'm still learning the position. I'm still growing, which is absolutely insane because of how dominant he is. He's already a finalist for the defensive player of the year. He would always be my pick. I do think Nick Bosa will, will be getting the award, but I would choose Micah Parsons every day of the week uh, to build my team around. And the Cowboys are building their defense around him. And I think that if you keep building, you know, bringing in other guys at linebacker, at defensive tackle, you know, you get these big bodies in the middle, you allow Micah Parsons to have more success on the outside. And I think that he will put on a lot more weight this offseason, become bigger, become stronger. And I think year three, again, when we're talking about starting to hand around contracts and stuff like that, you're going to see Micah Parsons just start stacking, you know, resume builder after resume builder, award after an award. And, you know, the fact that he's an all pro two seasons in a row, that's 
crazy. Pro Bowl, two seasons in a row. So if you can add a couple of defensive player of the years in there, maybe a Super Bowl MVP down the line, I think that he's going to solidify himself as one of the top players in this generation with J.J. Watt exiting. Micah Parsons might be that next generational player. And I'm happy, again, we talked about draft. I'm happy looking back on it. Hindsight is 2020 that he is a Dallas Cowboy. I'm so happy he's not a Philadelphia Eagle, New York Giant, whatever. Uh, anybody else in the AFC, let's keep Micah in-house and with the Cowboys for the rest of his life. Yeah, no, I also had Micah my number one spot. I think it's a pretty obvious answer. He's the most electric player on this team. It's actually insane. I mean, I know you can argue that he kind of fell off a little bit near the end of the season, but I would not argue that. I don't think he fell off. I just think that teams were scheming more to not hold the ball as long. I mean, if you really watch it, he was getting pressures very consistently throughout the entire season. You know, in that Jaguars game, you know, the um, pass rush was criticized because we only sacked Trevor Lawrence one time with that uh, Jaguars offensive line. Micah had the most pressures of his entire career in that game. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I think it was something crazy like 13 or something. It was, you know, you know, like it was miraculous. And, you know, again, he's probably going to finish second in defensive player of the year award for a second straight season. But I mean, come on, your first two seasons in the NFL and both seasons, you're finishing second for that award. It's phenomenal. And I wouldn't trade him for any of those defensive players. I wouldn't trade him for Nick Bosa because Micah is just so versatile. You can play him anywhere on the field. You could play him at I'm a believer that, you know, if you really wanted to, he could probably be pretty decent at, at, at uh, some safety packages. That's how good he is. He can move. All around the field, he can outrun anyone. He has the strength to bull rush people. You saw that in that 49ers game when he just tossed their right tackle on the ground with one arm, the the um, classic Reggie White move. I mean, he he's a beast, and I'm so happy he's a part of this team. And he's really such a great leader, too. Like, like he really he puts so much effort and hustle into every single play. He never, you know, I, I feel like he's always giving 110%. And, and, and you know, maybe that is why, you know, his sack number went down a little bit is because he was dealing with stuff. I don't think he was 100% throughout the back end of the season. And he was still fighting through it. He was making his impact every single play. And having him on your team, not only is he going to get his own, but because of him, you're going to have guys like Durant Armstrong have an eight-sack season. You're going to have guys like Demarcus Lawrence be great. And then you're going to get guys pressure up the middle it just gives you such a like like so much leverage you know to, on how you want to move your defensive guys around because you have Micah Parsons so much freedom and I'm just so happy he's on this team you know I said in my um so like each offseason I do like a little scouting you know like report and I scout different guys I had him and and I, I I thought he'd be the best defensive player in the draft I didn't think that he would necessarily be the best fit for the Cowboys because we needed a cornerback I know everyone was in on JC Horn and Patrick Sertan and 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 uh, they've both proven to be great players, but I don't think we would want it any other way in hindsight. You know, Micah, Micah was, I think, the best player in that draft. And, and I think he could easily go down as one of the best defensive players in NFL history by the time his career is over if he continues this pace. Yeah, I definitely think um, just listening to him talk the week before the 49ers game, uh, he was asked by one of the reporters, you know, how are you feeling? And he's like, as good as I can feel at this point of the season. I mean, the guy does so much and people have to be physical with him. So I can only imagine how banged up his body was by the end of the season. Um and it's still inc incredible to know that he has that kind of productivity, even when his body isn't feeling 100%. Um, something I really enjoy about Micah is obviously the play on the field. But when he speaks and you listen to some of his interviews, or all of them, actually, you go back and you listen to his interviews, he's, he's captivating to listen to. And what's really interesting to watch is 
you know, being in the in the scrum of things at the star, you see reporters that are that are doing their job and writing things down as people are talking, uh, different players come and go. With Micah, everybody kind of just stops and just stares at what he's saying because he just is so intriguing to listen to. And everything he talks about is just so it's just said with a purpose and you don't meet a lot of people who can speak that kind of talk, but also live life with that kind of mindset that he has. And it's just so incredible. I highly recommend um, if you haven't already go watch the interview he did um, before the 49ers game, the week of uh, as they were prepping for it. And he talks about how this boxing mentality uh, that he has, and it's just the most fascinating thing to hear him talk. And, um, I, I really think that not only is Micah one of a kind kind of player because of how he plays, but it's his mindset and the way he chooses to think through things. And it's just so contagious, which is absolutely insane, but can't say good enough. I cannot say enough good things about Micah Parsons uh, being as incredible as he is. I can't even imagine your three Micah guys it's only been two years and Micah feels like he is a 10 year veteran at this point. I, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that this guy has such a long career ahead of him and everything he can do within that time. So we love Micah Parsons here on the writer's block, but guys, any final thoughts, honorable mentions you wanted to throw in before we wrap things up for our podcast yeah, I'll say one honorable mention. I think if they if he stayed healthy, he'd probably be on this list maybe at a number nine or a 10 is a Terrence Steele. I think that his development this season, uh, you know, again, previewing possibly the roundtable tomorrow night, which I will be hosting uh, in spot of RJ. Um, we're going to be breaking down our uh, sort of BTB honors list, you know, talking about MVPs, most improved, stuff like that. And I think when you look at most improved this season or biggest surprise, I think Terrence Steele takes that award hands down because everybody wanted to not only replace him uh, this offseason, but they were shocked that Lyle Collins was cut and putting Terrence Steele in that spot. It's like, why would you get rid of somebody like Lyle Collins? Well, he ended up being the better tackle, and he was phenomenal in the run game being an offensive tackle, and I think that he brings a physicality, like we talked about with him and Tyler Smith, these two young guys that are so physical on the outside that when he left, the running game was completely vacant, and I think that it just was never the same, wasn't able to recover, so I think moving forward, he is a restricted free agent, so they do retain the rights, and I think they're going to be bringing him back. Uh, maybe they sign him to a three- or four-year deal just because you know he's dealing with the injury. Maybe he wants to get his money, you know, rehab and everything. And then, you know, at least be solidified instead of going into another, you know, contract year, stuff like that, uh, not knowing his future. So I think the front office will be signing him probably this off season, if I had to be a betting man, but um, you know, I think that the future is bright for him and the, and this team has developed him, you know, since 2020 um, and you can just see each and every year he's gotten better. So I think he's going to be the future at right tackle and I'm totally here for it. Yeah, my honorable mention would probably be Durant's Armstrong if I wasn't going to say Terrence Steele because he really had a great season this year. He had eight and a half sacks. I think he had five through the first six games. I mean, he was a dominant force early on when Dak was down and the, and the defense had to step up. Um, he would definitely be on there. I think Dalton Schultz could be an honorable mention. I think that he had a good year. Um, I had Brett Maher in an honorable mention for me. I know that he was on your guys' lists. And yeah, no, I think that there's a lot of players, you know, Malik Hooker. I think it, it's a shame because this, this roster, 
roster was so talented. Like there's so many players who I think could fit in a top 10 list. And if they were on another average team in the NFL, a not 12 win team, they're probably on the higher end of those lists. But, you know, because we have such talented guys, you know, they were they were honorable mentions, but it still doesn't downplay their impact this season. Durant's Armstrong was awesome when it came to um, rushing the passer. And it honestly made the absence of Randy Gregory not feel as heavy because I felt like that was something that happened in the offseason that kind of, you know, like that whole drama about not having a certain, you know, like thing in his contract. And we were like, oh, man, it was such a heartbreaker that we, you know, lost him. But Durant Armstrong really stepped up. And, and he showed that, you know, like we don't really need Randy Gregory. We have Durant Armstrong on this team. And, you yeah, know, so like that would be my kind of, uh, um, uh, 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 that would be my pick for an honorable mention for sure. That's a good one. I, to nobody's surprise, am going to honorably mention Cavante Turpin. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> I know. Y'all are so shocked. Y'all are so shocked. But to me, I, I talked about this. Uh, I want to see on Girls Talk, Boys Talk about to me, it's it's been a season where I've learned a lot more about football than I ever thought uh, my mind could handle. But specifically when it comes to special teams, he's a player that made me pay attention to special teams and why it's important and how it operates and the logistics of how hard it really is to play on special teams because that's a, uh, an aspect of football teams that get gets widely overlooked and it shouldn't because it's so important and it plays in that ripple effect of your offensive production right so to me Havante's just done such a good a good job to make people pay attention to special teams and that's insane to me his productivity with his returns and although yes we know his diagnosing is not the best this is the guy's first year in the NFL I mean as a rookie doing the things he did and having every single time, like, I mean, every single time the guy got the ball, you're like, Oh, he's going to take it back. When is the last time as a Cowboys fan, you can sit there and say you had a returner that made you feel like that. Can't remember. I, I bet you can't because he's a special kind of player. And so what I'm excited to see hopefully more of next season is maybe getting him integrated into the offense more. Um, but yeah, he's my honorable mention because obviously I would go with Cavante Turpin is my honorable mention. I 100% agree with you on that Kevante Turpin um, um, selection for sure, because I also agree, like, I think expectations were put too high on him. And that's why some people were kind of like, oh, he didn't really pan out like we wanted. Like, he was a great returner throughout the year. He gave us great field position on numerous occasions, okay? Just because he didn't have four kick return touchdowns this season doesn't mean that he wasn't an awesome player for his first year in the NFL. Like he has so much potential and so much youth to go through. I think people were putting like Devin Hester expectations on him after he had that two return touchdown game against the Chargers in the preseason. So yeah, I think that's, I'm so happy to have Turpin on this team, and I'm excited. I'm sure he's going to run one back next season. There's no doubt in my mind when he has more time to study the film and look at the things where he could have ran differently, you know, because I do think he he probably did have a couple of runbacks. We probably could have scored, you know, in, um, specifically in that 49ers game. A lot of people like to pinpoint that. But at the end of the day, he gave them great field position, and the offense didn't do much with it. So I think that, you know, not all the blame should be on Turpin for not returning it all the way you know, for a touchdown. I think he was awesome this year. I 100% agree. It reminds me of the scene from Infinity War where at the end, uh, Thanos is sitting on his farm and he's like, oh, it's time to rest. Like that man needs to just go and just relax, get off his feet for three months. You know, you, you played two seasons of, of football, you know, a full year, calendar year. 
you deserve all the rest in the world. Get healthy for next season. And I think, yeah, like you mentioned, Jess, if he's integrated more in the offense, that would be phenomenal. But, you know, just him as a talent, as a returner, he excites me every time he gets the ball in his hands. Um, and I just think that once he's integrated more into the NFL and gets his footing again, he's a pro bowler, too, and an NFL PA uh, all pro mention as well, too. So I think that the NFL as a whole recognizes his type of talent and who he is as a player. And I think, again, it speaks volumes that he goes from the USFL to the NFL and has success just as much as he did there. So hats off to, to KT, your guy, as he is for the writer's block, too. We are a Cavante Turpin Stan podcast, people. But unfortunately, we are out of time. And guys, before we go, where can the people find you if they would like to harass you about your top 10 picks or maybe just turn the tides and be nice? Where can the people find you, Chris? Where can we go harass you or be nice? <laughs> Well, specifically, I have my top 10 list on my Instagram account, Dallas Cowboy Squad. Already has a lot of people harassing me about it because so many people have different opinions. So you can fit right in with everyone else and harass me about about where I ranked certain players. But if you want to find another more, I guess, personal way to harass me, you can harass me on Twitter at uh, Cowboys underscore squad. You know, I'm I'm here for all the debate, all the argument, you know. That's what makes football great. You know, like if there's differences, you know, if there weren't any differences in opinions, then we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So, so I'm all here for it, but that's where you can check me out. And, and yeah. Uh, Chris has mentioned personal. I mean, I'll throw out my phone number. It's nine. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon is right now. It's the off season. Of course, things are going to be slowing down a little bit, but once, you know, the Super Bowl is over when the Kansas city chiefs win, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot more of free agency talk draft prep and all that. And then before you know it, we'll be back in Oxnard and uh, into the 2023 season. So believe me, the off season it's, it's in its early stages right now, but we'll carry you through all the way. And then as soon as you know it, you know, it'll be September and we're going to be prepping for uh, the next season. I love the positive outlook about many things there, of course, knowing that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year. We love that for them. Uh, we love it for them so much because that's what we're manifesting. Um, if you would like to join the Eagles fans that are just completely <laughs> hating my recent tweet, please feel free to go do that at just of ours underscore on Twitter. Love talking to you guys as always. Thank you so, so much uh, for listening and gentlemen, Chris, thank you for joining Brandon and I's craziness here on the writer's block. We always love having you on, but until then, until we see you again, I don't know when or what we're going to be talking about there's a, there's a lot to happen this afternoon there's so much to happen and so much has happened since my last time on here i appreciate you so much for having me on it's awesome talking football with you guys i love i love the podcast i listen to it whenever it comes out every tuesday so i'm you know you know i'm very happy to be on here and i will come on whenever you guys want me to i'm very happy about it we love that we love our loyal listeners y'all have a great rest of your day and we will see it next tuesday 